Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, I'm Mayhem. Hello, I'm Chaos. And our happiness is egg-shaped. Happiness is egg-shaped and love's a circle with no end. No, 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 Hello and welcome to the Happiness Is podcast with me, your host, Bruce Aitchison, and this is number 100. What do you do for your 100? Well, you invite on somebody that is very, very special, and I'm absolutely delighted that today's guest said yes. Uh, I've pestered him a wee bit. Uh, I backed him in a corner. Didn't really give him a huge amount of opportunity to back out. Uh, so he's dialed in from far, far away, and I am so pleased because this is a man that I think is known by everybody and that's because of the good things that he's done and the way that he's carried himself and gone about his business he's everybody's favorite uh, i'm not going to waste any time because he's a busy boy so let's bring in the one and the only mr greg laidlaw hello sir hi bruce thank you very much for your, your very kind introduction and uh yeah great to, great to hear a familiar voice from back home uh great to see your see your face sitting there as well <laughs> You liar! So, <laughs> you, Japan, you're in a you're in a hotel room on a camp with your with your team. What happens on a Japanese preparation camp? Um, yeah, so we're, we're about uh, I guess one hour outside of, of Tokyo and uh, a little place called I think it's called Ichihara. Um, so we're what's happening at Japanese camp? We're we're approaching our games, actually, first games. We actually play against uh, Western Force in just over a week's time. They're coming over from Australia, and that'll be our, our first game. So we're, we're pretty much, we've been working pretty hard. There's been a, a whole heap of running going on, and uh, not too many weights, as is the way these days. 
Um, it's kind of one, two, six. That's the kind of weights I do these days uh, to, to get the six reps. Um, so, yeah, we're dialing in a bit more uh, the rugby stuff uh, and preparing for our, for our first warm-up games before we start the league. You still love it, eh? I still love it. I certainly love the game. Um, yeah, I don't know when you get older and to my age, you know, you, you probably you certainly don't enjoy the gym as much, uh, or I certainly don't. But um, you know, you get in there and have a laugh with the boys, and you know, do as much as you can, and, and just get yourself ready to play. So, uh, yeah, this camp will uh, get us ready to play again. Japan come at the right time in your career to give you a new challenge. It, yeah, it did. Um, I was really close to, to staying in France uh, because I just, obviously at the time um, when I was with Clermont and finishing up, it, it ended in the middle of COVID and we were sort of midway through the season. So I was a little bit disappointed on that and I had a, a good option to stay in France and play for a different club. Um, and I was getting to that point, I was starting to speak a little bit French and stuff. But yeah, it was just, you know, when you... I had to try and think ahead and, you know, the day that I was going to retire is, you know, would I have regretted not taking this opportunity and, and I probably think I would have. So, yeah, it's been an incredible experience uh, so far and it still is. Uh, so, yeah, we're having lots of fun and I'm certainly glad I've done it. So how does it come about? Do, do you put feelers out, the clubs approach you or agent or the players chat amongst themselves and say, this guy's keen? Yeah, well, I was pretty fortunate in, in terms of uh, I had a few uh, a few Japanese clubs interested as early as, as, as 2019 uh, during the World Cup. Obviously, that was, that was out here in Japan and things, you know, just sort of snowballed from, from there. You know, um, an agent came in to, to meet me uh, with my Scottish agent uh, out here in, in Tokyo when I was out here with Scotland and just said, look, there's already interest. Uh, you know, would you, it was just an initial conversation. Obviously, I was still in contract. Um, in France, you know, would you potentially be interested when you when you're out of contract? And you know, that I think it's you're silly to certainly not have a look at these things. And and obviously, yeah, I had a I had a look in there a little bit more. And uh, yeah, so here I find myself uh, today, which is you know pretty cool, really. There's no way looking back at Greg that was playing for Jed could possibly have predicted half the stuff that you've done. I mean, there's there's no way you, you would have thought you were going to play professional rugby in Japan. Uh, no, not at all. Uh, it's uh, it's really strange, uh, Bruce. It, it's it's one thing I, I think about, you know, a fair bit. I, you know, I was obviously just a young lad growing up and down there in Jed, you know, a town of 4,000 4, people. And, you know, who, who, well, I certainly would never have thought in a million years, I'd, you know, I'd end up in, in somewhere like Tokyo uh, playing my rugby near, you know, near the end of my career. And, you know, we went into Tokyo the other day and, you know, the Shibuya crossing. I've got my mother-in-law here at the minute. So, you know, showing our, some of the sights and sounds of Japan. So it's uh, it's an amazing place. And, you know, I've, had a, I've been able to live, I guess, an amazing life in many ways through through a game that I've, you know, I've grown to love over the years. And Greg that played at Jed, I've, I've spoken to a few uh, exiles for Jed. Tana's been on, spoke to Clark. Uh, spoke to Chris Laidlaw, your your cousin, and there's a whole load of good things going on for folk for Jed. You've you've gone out in the world and made it a better place and taken the opportunities. Do you do you sit back sometimes and just go, I've done all right here? Uh, sometimes you, you, I certainly sit back and whether I've done all right or not, you uh, you know I certainly sit back and 
you know, when I left school, I went uh, straight into the joiner shop, really. I, you know, I, was, I trained to be a joiner. And sometimes my, my wife and I would have a, a little laugh and, and think, you know, it was, it was simple, certainly simpler times when, we're, you know, I was just a joiner and, and she was a nurse. And, uh, you know, we were sitting trying to work out some something. It was something to do with tax or something in the Japanese tax system the other day. And, you know, we're just thinking, you know, sometimes... When did life get so complicated? But but there we go. It's it's all part of the fun and uh, you know part of the the adventure we're on uh, here. And because of COVID, there's not really been the chance to travel as freely. Um, you have been back, and what was that like coming back? Did you did you have a wee wobble? Did it feel like oh, hang on a minute, this is where I should be? Uh, it's, it is amazing when you come home, you know, and you and you, you know, whether it's you don't see your parents or you. You know, you get back up in Edinburgh or, you know, or something. You, there's always something there, and and Scotland will definitely be home uh, for, for me one day. But you you just gotta you know push yourself outside your comfort zones, and in many ways. And again, it's no, it's easy, isn't it? I could have just said, ah, we'll just you know, we'll just not bother coming back. We'll, we could just stay at home, and it, and it would be easy. But you know, full credit also to my to my wife. Uh, she's been incredible. Uh, through the whole thing, we've just had a third child who uh, was born uh, here in Japan. Uh, she had to do it all on her own, essentially, because I, I actually wasn't allowed into the birth because of there's still COVID restrictions uh, around the hospitals and stuff here in Japan. So, yeah, sometimes it's, it would be easier to stay at home, but yeah, we're, we're having a great adventure and it's something hopefully we can look back on in a few years. What, what have you found culturally with rugby? Similarities? between the places you've been in, in Japan? Is there differences that have kind of rocked you a wee bit or that you've enjoyed? Oh, I've really enjoyed this experience, you know, coming out here. And, you know, part of me coming out was, you know, when I spoke to the club, it, you know, it's, it's about trying to, you know, help the younger players, you know, try and pass a lot of my knowledge on. So, you know, as well as still playing, I'm, you know, I'm doing a, the start of some of my coaching stuff and, and helping some of the young Japanese players and, well, which is brilliant. You know, some of it's frustrating, um, you know, because, you know, obviously I'm quite competitive and stuff. But, uh, you know, again, it's it's just part of the journey. And, you know, I'm just trying to, you know, make the, the team and, and the Japanese boys as best they can be. And, you know, what, what I've certainly learned uh, from the, the, the work ethic, you know, is second to none, um, you know, in terms of, I think culturally, when they grow up, the, the way they're taught, it's very much, you know, they're sort of, uh, talk down to, you know, as it were, they're told what to do and, and they do it very much to the letter of the law. So, you know, sometimes in a rugby context, that's probably not the best way. So they, they kind of have that trait in them. That if they get told to do X, they're going to do that to the best of their ability. And, you know, as in a game like rugby, you know, there's a lot of moving parts and you, you can't really do that. So, yeah, they're, they're quite rigid, I guess, in, in some of their thinking. So it's just trying to, I don't know, liberate them a little bit and, and ensure them, you know, get their heads up, play rugby, that, and that can help them out. You're a smart cookie and you've you've mentioned about being at the end of your career and nearing retirement and all those things. So I've got no doubt that you've got an eye on, on what's coming. Is part of this coaching because you can see yourself doing that in future? Yeah, I mean, I'm just starting a ton of gears. Yeah, I'm on that stuff. I'm actually uh, you know, running some of, the, some of the coaching stuff here uh, at my club, which, yeah, Bruce, I love the game. Um, you know, I always have from, from a young age and I'm really passionate about it. Um, again, it's it's a bit of a project of mine. I've got a, a great little uh, young halfback here at the club, uh, a young guy called Ren Chan, 
um, who's an excellent um, player and he's really ambitious. He's got a great work ethic. Um, so hopefully I can help push him uh, through in his international stuff in, in the next few years. So, yeah, I really enjoy that side of the game, trying to make people better, um, you know, through training, through watching videos. And, you know, it's well, it wouldn't be too bad a job, I don't reckon, but being, being a rugby coach, certainly for me and him. It sounds like your uh, your little prodigy is a bit like a, a young Greg Laidlaw. <laughs> oh, potentially. I think he's got a fright over the last couple of weeks. I've been a bit grumpy with not having as much sleep maybe with a, with a little man. So, um, yeah, don't tell Rachel, but, you know, that's that's one good thing, campus, where I can <laughs> catch up on a little bit more sleep. <laughs> when you when you're talking about being that guy to those younger players, who was who that for you? Who was that role model and sort of old heed for you? Um, well, I think I was pretty lucky because obviously I started uh, my career out at Edinburgh. And, um, obviously, well, Mike Blair was was a big influence uh, for me because obviously he played the same position. But probably the one for me was was Chris Parson, um, Mossy. Uh, you know, as, as you and I all both know him. But just obviously at the time, you know, he was just extremely professional. Um, you know, took he, like, you know, he leaves sort of no stone unturned. That sort of character, you know, he'd be the last on the training field kicking, or whether it be his S and C work and all that stuff. And you know, he and he was just so well. He's very humble, isn't he? And and he was, and he certainly still is. And you know, and I sort of thought at the time, you know, he this guy's, you know, he's captain of Scotland, starts for Scotland, ended up with you know, over a hundred caps, you know, and that's the way he behaves. So. You know, I was pretty lucky to have a few people like that uh, around him. Maybe, but obviously, because of the goal kicking stuff as well, you know, he was probably somebody that I, I learned a huge amount of. You took up the tools when you left school, but was the ambition always I want to be a rugby player? Yeah, it was. Um, you know, and I think started getting picked in, in age group stuff, and you know, obviously, it gets a little bit more serious. And whether that's you know Scotland 18s, it's obviously not too serious at the time. Or, but you probably don't realise it is. And then you get to that under-21 level as it was when I, when I played under-20s now. Yeah, and, you, and it becomes a bit more professional and you, and you get a small taste of, you know, being away, whether I've been involved in Six Nations or, you know, being away at World Cups. And, you know, one, how much of a great challenge it is, but, you know, you can have good fun as well. I always played my, my best rugby when I was having fun and in a good environment. So, uh, you know, I think I was... When I, as soon as I got that first uh, few tasters of it, you know, I definitely realised I want to push myself to to try and get uh, in a, a full setup. What barriers did you face? How how often were you told you're too wee, or you need to move club, or you need to be here, or you need to do this? So did, how did you cope with those things? Yeah, you know, I got told a lot of things, and I probably st- still get told a lot of things now. You know, yeah, you know, the big one with me was you know I was never fast enough. And, and what I'll be about, you know, I almost, I'd, you know, you flip on its head, or, or certainly I did, you know, and I tried to be one of the, one of the smartest in my mind, uh, you know, I tried to see pictures before other people could see it, and you know, I guess in many ways, along with you know my goal kicking and game management, that's essentially how I, you know, how I forged my career. And there's, there's obviously, in my opinion, there's space in the game for for smart players, and uh, you know everybody's looking for you know bigger, stronger faster but you know I, I'm of the mind you want the smart ones as well because 
you whether you take New Zealand for example, you know, there's not too many dumb rugby players, you know, in that setup, and you know they're one of the best in the world. So, yeah, and that's yeah, that's a huge lesson for kids. You know, if you truly believe in um, in your own ability, if you, if you want to chase something hard enough, you, you can get there. Uh, but you have to believe in yourself. It's a massive one. When people are telling you, you know, you, well, you can't, you can't do it. You're not getting picked. Or you can either. There's two ways you can take it. You can listen, and you know, you can just accept it, or you can, or you can say, "No, nah, I'm going to prove you wrong," and get out there and do it. And that's for whatever reason. I've always had that kind of attitude since I was uh, since I was a bit younger, and it certainly stood me in great stead. You're a stubborn bugger, eh? Yeah, I am. I am. Don't know. Don't know where it came from, but uh, it's in there. I like to. I like to win, and uh, I like to be the best version of myself in many ways. Hello, my name is Bruce Aitchison from Happiness is Egg Shaped, and I am here to tell you where you can get your Happiness is Egg Shaped merchandise. Go to www.halbro.com and search for Happiness is Egg Shaped in the stores. We've got it all: umbrellas, snoots, hats towels for when you eventually get to go on holiday to the beach or by the pool we've got hoodies we've got t-shirts we've got all sorts going on there check it out get your happiness is egg shaped merchandise you can get it all colored up for your favorite team or for your country get involved because you know i know everybody knows happiness is egg shaped So being in a small town, like I, I know where you're from, and I, I know loads of the folk that you were rubbing shoulders with and kicking a ball with on the sideline, and you were a ball boy and doing all those things. Did that help that the you were in a, a wee place? There was always somebody to play with. There was always competition. You played in other sports as well. Did, do you think that helped create the Greg Laidlaw that we've got now? Definitely, it helped. Um, I think you know where I grew up. It is in many ways there was no airs and graces about it in terms of you know when you're coming through and you know people can see you, you've got a, a little bit of talent or whatever. You know they always get, they get stuck into your training and, and whatever it is. And in many ways, I think they they want you to succeed as well, and they're all they're almost trying to help you in their own little way. And but you certainly can't your feet can't leave the ground, and and that's probably one of the, the biggest things I learned is. You know, just because you know I've been, you know been successful and you know half decent at chasing uh, rugby ball around the field, you know, you, you, there's no reason you could you're above anybody else. You know, you're always on the same level, and that humility thing's has been a massive uh, thing for me over the years. So, yeah, and the competitive edge is you know it's, it's just what drives me and uh, pushes me forward. You've come out of a a small town, and then I think it was just before COVID. They had the nine 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 dinner. So for your club at Jed Forest, you've got Roy Laidlaw, Gary Armstrong, and then Greg Laidlaw. That that's pretty special to be to be part of that wee group. No, oh, listen, it's 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 honestly one of the, one of the best things uh, for me to, to to have been a part of. Uh, to, to be quite honest, uh, Bruce, over the years, because you know without the club. Or without Jed, without that sort of upbringing, you know, I would never know if if I'd be, you know, sitting here having this conversation for you, or I'd been able to, you know, play for Scotland as many times, and uh, you know, and certain people along the way within that club just really, really helped me. Yeah, at that at that young age, and and obviously Uncle Roy be, being my uncle, he's 
he was clearly a big part of my life, but but also so was Gary. He was a, he was a huge role model, uh, you know, for kids. And I always remember when he signed for, for Newcastle, he was he was obviously playing for Jed at the time, and then it was a sort of talk of the town. It's you know Gary Armstrong signed professionally for Newcastle, and I always remember that, that sort of set something off in my head. It's like oh well, you know Gary's now playing professional rugby potentially, you know, in however many years this would be could be something uh, I done. And there's actually a, quite a funny story as well. And the type of person uh, Gary is as well. Obviously, um, we all sort of had a ten come alongside us. Uh, John Rutherford came uh, next to Uncle Roy. Uh, Finn uh, Russell obviously came uh, next to myself, and, uh, and Johnny Wilkinson came to the dinner. Uh, obviously, on, on behalf of Gary, and, and obviously Johnny Wilkinson clearly is a legend, and he's a great man. And, well, I think obviously when he gets invited to events, he's well. Sometimes he's probably on private planes or helicopters, and he actually got um, he got picked up in the back of a a Cook's van hire van, I think it was from Newcastle Airport. I think Peter Peter Walton drove him up, and he he got he put his tuxedo on in the back of the van. Um, so that, obviously that kind of just shows you what kind of uh, person uh, Gary is as well. So yeah, some great characters, and uh, it was awesome just to, to give a little bit back to the club. I, I love it. I, I was gutted I couldn't be there. So you've got Roy with John Rudd, and that was obviously a a marriage made in heaven. I, I remember having a chat to Jim Rennick, and he said because of the South District it meant Roy and Rudd could play for those smaller clubs, and it was the South that gave them the shot window for Scotland, and, and I loved that. I'd never thought of that. I did think it was funny that Gary chose Johnny Wilkinson. I think that was maybe for ticket sales rather than inviting chick jammers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, uh, I think it was probably maybe Jed Forrest's request, that one as well, but yeah, bump up the ticket, put, put another fiver on the ticket prices, I think. And uh, you invited Finn, and you've already said you play your best when you're you're enjoying it and you're in the right environment. You and Finn just seem to just seemed to click. How how did that come about? Because you you're not for the same place. You didn't play for the same club. What is it that happens when you come in a Scotland camp with somebody that's just a different beast from you? But it it seemed to work. Have you got? Can you put your finger on what the magic was? Um, I don't I don't know if I can put my finger on it, but I always remember him coming in. Oh, actually, before that. I think we were playing Edinburgh v Glasgow. I, I was at Edinburgh, and obviously Finn was at Glasgow. And we were through in uh, in Scotland. We were playing them through there, and um, out the back, the sort of back of the changes before you go out the tunnel on the field. There's a there's like a indoor running track, and there's a bit of a warm up area. And um, obviously, I, I think I was captain Edinburgh or whatever. Uh, I've come out, you know, having just a little stretch, and and I could see this guy further up the track, and he's got these headphones in, and he's like dancing about the place. And I'm sort of looking over, and I'm like, and I see the lads that Finn Russell. And so I was like, the first sort of time I was like, this boy's obviously just come on the scene. He's, uh, you know, he looks like he's sort of uh, confident. But and that, but that was that was probably one of the best things about him because he just he, he didn't change. Like when he came into the Scotland camp, and he just had, he just really enjoys having fun, Finn, and, and being laid back. But behind the scenes. Um, it, yeah, he's one of the hardest workers in terms of doing his homework on whether that be defences. Um, and I remember his first test as well. We went out to Canada uh, not long, and I think Vern had just taken over, actually, sort of full-time. And uh, we were playing Canada. We weren't actually playing too well, and we were 
sort of bumbling about a bit and he just pulled this ridiculous chip kick out like in around their 22 and, and he just sort of it never went too well but he just sort of shrugged off and then he, he finished the game pretty strongly and I, I just sort of knew from then that uh, you know, this kid had a bit of talent and um, in many ways he sort of he, well he did he, he sort of reinvigorated me a little bit as well uh, you know because I was always pretty rigid and you know, you've got to do the right thing. And, and he sort of loosened me up a little bit, I, I guess, as well. And I think we just had that, that good balance. You know, I like to be quite serious sometimes. He, he was a bit more laid back and we, we just struck a really good balance, both on and off the field. You obviously helped him as well, though. It, it, wasn't, a, it wasn't just one way. You, you were a good uh, sort of foil for him. Yeah, well, you know, I, I like to think so. And I think... In many ways, you know, hopefully, you know, I guess you'd need to ask Finn, but yeah, I, I would like to think I was a bit of a common influence uh, for him as well because, you know, everybody feels pressure, um, you know, and some people show it in different ways or, or feel it in different ways. So, you know, and I, I very much felt it was my job, obviously, being a halfback inside him, but, you know, being that little bit older and having a little bit more experience at the time to, to really sort of help him out and, uh, you know, give him the best chance he could. And, um, you know, I think he really stepped stepped it forward, and you know, obviously he's playing for one of the biggest clubs in, in Europe now, and you know, nothing nothing less than it, and then he deserves because he's you know he's, he's an incredible talent. How does it work? You spend a lot of time on the field, but you, you can't train all the time. So you're in hotels, you're in airports, you're flying. How much time is it? Do you need to spend with the, the nine and ten? How much time do you two need to? Just go for a wee private coffee, or is that not how it works? No, I, I, in terms of like the, the connections and stuff, I think they're massive. Uh, you almost you want to get to that point where you sort of you can look at each other, and, and you almost don't need to speak when when you're in the in the midst of it, and just that, almost that second nature. And both you know, on the field, you know, clearly that's the most important part. And you know, whether whether you've got slightly quicker ball, you kind of you need to have that. A bit of instinct in terms of yeah, I know Finn's going to flatten up here. This is where he, he likes the ball. He's, you know, more often than not, this is what he likes to do in this situation. And you know, so I can you know help him out a bit, or you know, try and put the ball in in places uh, you know that, that he wants it, and, and really sort of you know you know just give him every chance to to play well. And, but you know, and then that relationship off the field as well, it's it's an added bonus, uh, of course, because a lot of the time you you know become best mates with your teammates, but. Yeah, he's an added bonus, and, and certainly when he's a, a character uh, like Finn, he's, he's certainly hard not to like. <laughs> How much did you put in a goal kicking to make yourself? To me, that was one of those things you, and I could be wrong, but I think there, there was maybe a point where you thought, if I'm a really good goal kicker, that makes me even stronger and, and easier to pick if I'm kicking the way I, I can. Is that true? Yeah, that that'd be true. I think uh, obviously I, mis- mis- I mentioned Chris Patterson earlier on. You know, at, at the time, uh, um, obviously he was probably coming. You know, to the end of his, his career, he, he was obviously not nobody's getting any younger. And you know, I sort of realised um, at that moment in time, and probably in that Edinburgh team, there, there probably wasn't a, a straight replacement in terms of a goal kicker for him. And so, you know, I really sort of hammered that skill. You know, over the years, it's something I've really, I've took real sort of pride in, and try to, you know, make myself, you know, a sort of standout player in, in that, uh, you know, category. Um, so yeah, I spent a huge amount of time, and 
and huge amount of discipline in, in many ways, uh, you know, to, to get myself up to, to be one of, well, at one point, one of the best kickers out there. And, you know, that's that's all you're doing for all, all that repetition is so when the pressure comes on, uh, you can hold your hold your technique and, uh, you know, hopefully they go over. There's a whole load of folk can kick a rugby ball and they can kick it through the post for the halfway line. But doing it in front of a packed stadium when it matters is a whole other thing. How much time and effort did you have to put into the bit that wasn't actually the kick, the the visualisation, the mental preparation, the calming yourself down? How much attention did you give to that? Yeah, I, I gave it a lot, um, to be honest, Bruce, because I think it is such a huge part of it. Um, you know, as you as you mentioned, you, or even if you're a, you know a good kicker, you know, and it's funny because even if you kick well and the the team run or something, everybody's like, oh, awesome, you know, you're kicking well, and you, well, I am, but it doesn't count for anything. Doesn't give us you know three points tomorrow. It's 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 always quite funny. So it's I, I used to you know, when I was a bit younger, and the the body was still all good. I would I would always kick on a Wednesday, uh, certainly when we played at home and. In Murrayfield, I'd go in. Um, so on the day off, there'd be pretty much nobody else in the inside the stadium, and and that was just you know my sort of time, you know, to sort of say to myself right on, you know, whenever the kickoff was Saturday afternoon, or you know, I'm going to be in here. There's going to be all this happening round about me, but essentially, it's it's the same skill, uh, you know. So uh, and mental toughness is 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 a huge trait in my opinion. The kickers. You know, have to have because you know it's such a natural thing. It's whether you're kicking a goal, first thing you think is don't miss. It's like you know, if it, there's any golfers out there, you're on the tee. You know, like you know, don't don't put it in the trees. It's it's essentially how how you can how you can keep that out of your head uh, in in the pressure moments. Hold your technique. It's one of the most important parts of it. Is there one kick in particular that you are very proud of? Uh, oh. no, there's there's one there's one in my head at Murrayfield with a big celebration after it. Uh, that, yeah, I wonder. That, that was a good one, but we, uh, yeah, that was a good one. That, that was a great memory. That, the one I had to kick that one. I kicked that one against Australia uh, down in Australia, uh, which it was right in front of the post, but it was blown an absolute. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Uh, Gale uh, and, and chucking down rain that night so I was pleased to see that one uh, come off the boot uh, pretty nicely as well and I, I kicked a good one for Edinburgh 
um, you know, back in the day against uh, Ross and Metro when we had that yeah. crazy scoreline at Murrayfield. I might have kicked one from the uh, well, the left edge. Uh, for me, I think it just kissed the post in the way in. So, uh, sometimes it's the ones you miss, uh, you remember most as well. Uh, sadly, Bruce, as is the, the nature of it. So there's been a couple of them as well. Are you able to put those to bed or are those the kind of things that every now and then your head hits the pillow and you're like, oh, if only? Yeah, yeah. That, that, they're the ones you think of more than the ones that would go over. Uh, to be honest, I remember missing a kick against New Zealand. Uh, I think it must have been 20... Get the years mixed up, but I think it could have been 2014, actually, as early as that. And we were playing pretty well, and I missed a fairly easy one. That I just blocked out to the right and. Yeah, that's one that certainly bugs me. I can't remember if we were in the lead already or we were pretty close. That kick might have took us into the lead. But, um, yeah, they ended up scoring after it anyway, so it didn't make me look as bad. <laughs> I, I guess you're pretty hard on yourself, are you? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's something I've kind of learned to to try and not do as much uh, over the years. Uh, I think, you know, again, it comes back to the family and, yeah, certainly Rachel, she's probably uh, seen, the, I guess, the, the worst of me in, in many ways. Uh, you know, a lot, of, a lot of time you know, when you win games and stuff, it's easy, but it's it's how you react and, and the defeats and stuff. And I've definitely mellowed over the years, but in the, the sort of younger years, you know, I'd, I'd be in a fairly foul mood of for the whole weekend until I could get my sort of feet back on the training field and put it right. But I guess it's just part of the process you go through and, and everybody deals with it in different ways. Is it harder when you've had leadership roles to to manage that? Do you take on the weight of the world when you're captain? Uh, well, I probably did. Um, I always remember times when we maybe weren't going so well with, with Scotland or or whatever. You know, we we're, were struggling and maybe you know losing a few more games than we, than we should have. And uh, you know, I'd probably remember. Some of the times thinking, you know, maybe maybe these some of these guys don't care as much as me, and you know why am I putting myself through it? And yeah, well, I think when you're in that leadership position, I certainly took huge pride in the the fact that you know I was captain and I wanted things to go well. And in many ways, I didn't like it being captain because of all the other stuff that sort of went with it. But it was a huge honour of mine, and uh, you know, I'll, I'll, something I'll remember, you know, for the rest of my life. How does it feel that the bit I'm jealous of, and now camera phones and social media, I'm always surprised the number of cameras that can be in a changing room. But there, there was a heap of moments that were just yours in the team. There was, there was nobody else there. You know, probably the coaches have left the room. What's it like in just before you go into the tunnel at a packed Murray Field or, you know, an international stadium where, you know, you're probably up against it. What's it like in those last wee moments as Scotland captain, arms wrapped around everybody, ready to go? Have you planned your speech? Is it from the heart? Is there lots of sweary words in it? How did you approach it? Yeah, well, again, it's it's part of learning uh, the process, and you know, probably when I was I was a bit younger, you know, I'd be there'd be a lot more sort of passion to it, maybe a, you know a couple of swear words and and what have you, but. I think you just got to read the group, you know. And that's, you know, that's something I sort of learned, and I definitely mellowed, you know, over the years. And, it, and it's just in the final moments, a lot of people can't take anything in. There's a whole heap of stuff happening. There's there's emotion. There's there's nerves. There's there's excitement. 
So I'd always try and keep my messages like real simple, you know, you know, focusing that that first part of the game, the, the anthems and stuff. They're obviously awesome, but they're emotional as well. And you know, singing a national anthem well, you know, it, it doesn't help you win games of rugby. So you know, that that was essentially our job. So a lot of the time it was it was about trying to remove some of the emotion, and that that, that was a challenge for me because you know I was I was sort of I was emotional and I loved playing for Scotland. You know, I, I could I would love to do it again in a heartbeat. You know, but I'm, but I'm too old and. And the best bit was, I guess, in, in many ways, is even before you get outside, is that that last part, you come out of the change room and, and you're in the tunnel and you're ready to go. And, you, and you, you know, obviously you're at the front of it with the, with the whole sort of team behind you. Uh, you know, you just can't replicate that that feeling of, of the emotions you're trying to keep in check and, and what have you. So, yeah, just in, incredible experiences. Uh, and as I said, ones, that, ones I'll never forget. For the last six years, Fill Your Boots has been making rugby happen at the grassroots level. Please get involved and go to www.fybrugby.com to register your club or to register as a player and join the online community to make sure that games continue to happen in the future. Join in clubs with players and players with clubs to make sure that we can keep the club game as strong as possible. Fill Your Boots bringing rugby together. Who was your leadership role models? Who did you look at and think he was a he was a captain? I would have gone in over the top with him. Yeah, well, I think the a lot of the boys that, that ironically, you know, never, never done too much talking um, in terms of like a, maybe like a, a four-day Ross Ford Somebody like that. He, he didn't like to talk much, but you know, he he, he gave everyone, you know, when he sort of when he took the field, uh, and he's a, a real a, a close friend of mine as well. And and that's, you know, sometimes leadership is a, you have to be able to follow as well. In my opinion, you know, being a leader. So sometimes it's it's about stepping back, um, you know, and because you've not got a lot. Of, I certainly don't have all the answers, you know, for all the areas of a game of rugby. So. I think you know the most powerful times or the best time I had the Scotland captains. I had a, a really sort of good bunch of people around about me as well. Fordy being one of them, uh, and just a strong leadership group, uh, you know, across the, across the board. Who helps you to become a leader? So you're you're playing well. You're you know you're coping with your own performance. You're probably helping others, but leadership something that you can learn and improve and you can pick from others and you can talk about was that ever a focus for you or were you just learning on the job well I was I guess in many ways learning on the job uh, you know when I was a bit younger um, you know, Andy Robinson was really good uh, when he was in Edinburgh I was, I was a younger player and that sort of side of the game in terms of you know leadership groups and yeah, you know game drivers as they're called you sort of nines, tens, fifteens and um, you know that I sort of I was exposed to that in many ways when I was a little bit younger in terms of that side of things and then we've been pretty fortunate over the years to, to be able to work with people who've have had military backgrounds or you know uh, hostage negotiators or all sorts of people that I've met over the years and uh, one guy I really liked was, was a guy called Eric Blondeau who's a French guy uh, who Vern brought in? A, a, I think he worked with French special forces, and 
Um, yeah, and I really enjoyed working with him. He sort of, you know, just brought a real a bit more clarity, I guess, to, to sort of to my leadership roles and and stuff like that. But I always remember he sat us down as a sort of leadership group and and really challenged us. And he was like, you know, can uh, can he sort of make uh, people like follow you essentially? And some of the guys said yes, but you know, I, I said, well, the answer is no because unless somebody's you know buying in. Uh, you can, it's like the old ad, you know, you can take a horse to water, but you, you know, you can't make it drink. So, um, you know, there's a lot of learning over the ways and sometimes people just don't want to be part of, of the process. And uh, in many ways, you got to weed them out. So yeah, I've learned a huge heap uh, over the years on, on the leadership front. And yeah, it's it's been something I've really tried to develop and, and understand. You and Vern got on really well, didn't you? Yeah, we did. Um, we did. Um, why did we get on well? Because Vern just told people straight between the eyes how it was, uh, and sometimes that wasn't pretty, even for me. Uh, and you know, you sort of shudder in your in your in your seat even thinking about it now. But uh, for me, it was the best way. And the the, the group at the time, uh, you know, I re- I know sort of really enjoyed that. Um, um I caught up with uh, with Joe Schmidt actually. Just here in, in Tokyo, they're they're a cusp with All Blacks at the moment, and and he he obviously worked with Vern at Claremont as well, and he he sort of said to me, uh, you know, the first one of the first conversations they had, Vern looked them straight in the eye and, and said, I need to be able to trust you. Um, so that that was the kind of the, the guy uh, Vern was, and at the time, you know, Vern was, was awesome. He sort of totally reinvigorated me along with a couple of other things, and. And really, just really brought it home, I guess, in many ways. You know what it means to play for for Scotland, um, which really annoys me actually, because you know it sort of it, it took a sort of Kiwi to, to to be able to do that. But again, before that, we had a bit of a, a difficult run, and I guess we were a bit a bit lost as a team. And um, yeah, so that that was just great timing, and uh, he was somebody that I learned a huge amount of. How much of being a captain is managing up the way? Um, well, it's 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 part of it. See, you know, coaches a lot of the time they, they probably don't know half of the stuff that that's getting talked about <laughs> uh, within the group. So, you know, a lot of the time that that will fall on your head. It's like, you know, what we're doing this for, or why we're doing this, and the old the old morning in the change room, and and it's having that ability to to to, to I guess many ways challenge back the group and and say, ah, oh, right, okay. I, or I probably don't agree with that, but you know, and then taking the th- the things that you think uh, once you've agreed on to, to the coaches and and getting your point across, um, it, it's important and it's a big part of it because uh, the players play the game. Uh, you know, Bruce. And sometimes you, I get really frustrated sometimes. You know, whether it be coaches or uh, yeah, well, mainly mainly some coaches in terms of you know they're always trying to. Yeah, interfere in training, stop training. And it, we have to figure it out, and you've got to let the players figure it out at, at some point, because essentially the coach can't do anything come the weekend. So, you know, and that's where they have to also have that relationship with you, with the players to put the trust in them. And, and once they put the trust in you, you know, that's where you can become on leaps and bounds. And, and I guess in many ways, looking back, you know, Vern put trust in in me and that sort of leadership group that I talked about before, and. You know, at the time, you know, that's how I felt we, we were starting to, you know, play some decent rugby. 
Did you ever have a wobble of your confidence? Oh, yeah. No, I wouldn't say all the time, but oh, of course. You know, whether it be you think you're maybe carrying not too much form or you've had a bad game. and oh, the, the self-doubt is it's in there somewhere. But you, that's... It, you just got to try and you know you got to block it out, and in many ways you you can't have obviously you can't have arrogance, but you've you almost got to have self arrogance like within yourself to tell yourself, and when you look at yourself in the mirror and say, "No, nah, actually I can do this," and you know I'm good at this, this and this, and you know I can I can do it, I can succeed. So just get out of out there, back yourself, you know, because at the end of the day nobody's going to do it for you, and I think again that's that's something that's really drove me on and. You know, if I want to succeed, succeed, you know, I'm going to have to do this myself. So you just got to back yourself. And I've real, I think I t- touched on self confidence before. It's such a huge part of it. Nobody else can really give you. They can tell you it, but if you're not telling yourself it, you're going to find it more difficult. When did the lions come on your horizon? Was that something you wanted to deal with, or are you going to give me the media answer that is I just had to play well for Scotland to give myself a chance? Oh, I was desperate to play for the Lions. <laughs> Good. <laughs> yeah, I was keen to go in 2013 as well, but they never picked me in either. So. Um, no, the Lions was well, it was incredible. Um, I think I actually think Vern um, interviewed for the for the job as well, and and, and I think he was uh, I think he interviewed pretty well by all accounts. So I think for me at the time it would have been awesome if if Vern had gotten the job as well. Obviously, I was building a relationship with him, and um, but you know, as it was, you know, I was a different coach, and, and that's one thing that's that's also so fickle as well. It's you know, coaches and stuff. It's it's essentially one man's opinion. Uh, you know, a lot of the time in terms of if, if they don't like you as a player, so if, you know, if there is you know any young players or people that uh, play the game, uh, you're listening. You know, don't be deterred because one person, uh, you know, thinks you're not good enough uh, because. You know, nobody's got all the answers, and you know they might they might not know a huge amount about it. So you know, back yourself and get out there and, and go and get after it. So, how different an environment is that? I mean, you were the the story is always you've been knocking lumps at each other in the Six Nations for three years, and then right lads, you all need to pull on the same jersey. Was that difficult for you? I would imagine you had to have a bit of fire in your belly against your opponents, and now they're on your team. Yeah, it was weird. I'm not going to lie. It is a bit strange, especially like early days when you, when you sort of first, you know, get in the camp and you know, whatever you're doing, you're, you know, you're getting measured up for your kit and you're, you're doing media days. And I think because I was at Gloucester at the times so I'd travelled through with, with Ross Moriarty to, to London, who had been selected as well. And it's almost like you just look for safety, you know, stay, stay, with, stay with people you already know. So, find the, the two other Scottish boys that were on that tour and, and Hoggy and, and uh, Tommy Seymour um, and, and Ross Moriarty from Gloucester and basically stay with them all day. It's quite cagey. It's, uh, nobody wants to talk too much, but the people that have been on previous tours, they're all matey-matey. So, yeah, just, just a matter of sort of finding your feet and uh, just get in there and work hard. How much did you have to look after Hoggy? <laughs> uh, Hoggy was all right. Uh, Hoggy's, he'd, he'd obviously done the tour in, in 2013. Uh, you know, so he was he was up and running with, with some of the boys, and uh, he's obviously a big character, Hoggy as well. And, um, yeah, so in many ways, he was great for me in that environment. So, 
you know, I just sort of hung out with him and uh, you know, he he sort of led me into uh, a few things and sort of helped me grow in the environment, I guess. Did you become a better player because of that experience? Uh, probably, yeah. Yeah, d- definitely more rounded and probably gave me more confidence, I think, in many ways as well. I think you realise, you know, certainly that added enemy that Scottish players are everybody as good as, as the other players and um, you know, and, and we've probably just struggled for for strength and depth over the years because of our our playing numbers, really. Uh, you know, and, and once we get a couple of injuries, it's always hard uh, for Scotland, and that's just the way it is, and probably the way it's always going to be. But um, I took a lot of confidence because you know you don't just play with the players; you, you train with them. You, you see some of the stuff they're looking at, and you know, video analysis. You, you work with other coaches, you know, from from Wales or you know whatever. Or I think they're all. Pretty much all from Wales at the time, and as far as he was, he was I can't remember. He was with I think he was with England at the time. And, but you know, you just re- and you realise, you know, the coaches they're looking at the same things, uh, players are, are doing the same things, and we're not far off here. So yeah, I definitely gained a lot of confidence off the back of it as well. So when you then come out of that and you go back into playing against them, were you were you sharper? Were you wiser? Were you I've seen that. I can use that. I remember he does this, or was there too much going on? Well, well, there was a lot going on, but you definitely, as long as you you pay attention, there's the sort of traits and, and players do and, and players like, and this is how they like to defend because of this, and so you can try, you know, you can try and certainly pick a few things up, and you know, and and see if you can make a difference. But and that's, you know, as long as you you're willing to. You put yourself out there and and try and learn and understand and, and not go in there and thinking you know just because you've been selected that, that you know all you can you know you definitely can pick up some some new things that, that can help you as a, as a player and, and as a group uh, such as Scotland. Was there a moment when you were with the Lions of I'm a British Lion? Did you have a little moment with your red shirt? Did you was it when your name was read out? Was was there a moment where you thought, hang on, I'm a, I'm a British Lion here? Yeah, I mean it's it's, it's quite surreal. Um, but the travel out and stuff that we had at the time uh, to New Zealand, it was pretty messy because the seasons obviously drag on in in, uh, in the northern hemisphere. And I think we only got to New Zealand two or three days before we, we actually played the first game. And uh, I think we only travelled up to where we were playing the day before it. So it was a pretty it was a bit of a rush. But it was sort of chucked together team. Probably everybody was sort of figuring each other out still. Um, I always remember quite vividly. It was after the warm up, we went back in uh, to the change room. Um, you know, chuck your warm up t-shirt off and whatever. And I, and I just remember sort of picking my head up uh, and just seeing that sort of red jersey on the peg in, in front of me. Um, and obviously nowadays we're pretty lucky. You get your your name and stuff embroidered on the jersey. Um, and that was kind of it. Kind of just hit me then before the kickoff that you know that sort of realization you're going to pull pull on a Lions jersey. You know, and be part of an incredibly uh, unique, uh, a unique team. So yeah, it was probably then uh, before I even played the game. And is it different from a Scotland tour, from a Scotland World Cup being on a Lions tour? Yeah, it is different. Yeah, I guess it, it's kind of hard to explain why why it's so different. But just the, I think maybe the pure numbers of fans, the, you know, the Lions ones. Uh, it was brilliant to see, but you know you, you certainly don't get too much downtime 
uh, or anything <laughs> when you're out there, especially New Zealand, obviously not the biggest country in the world either. Uh, the the Artiod in 2017, but yeah, it's real sort of real hectic, um, real busy. A lot, you know, a lot of moving parts. You know, playing a game, traveling, playing a game, traveling. So you're moving about, and you, you get that sort of feeling. Everybody's very much watching you, pretty much every step of the way. So yeah, it was quite enclosed, but uh, definitely enjoyable. How do you? I think I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. How do you switch off and and try and take that brain away and the heart away from rugby? Yeah, it's, well, through learning over the years, uh, yeah, to, to try my best to get away from it. Uh, you know, nowadays I've obviously got the kids. Uh, you know, which are brilliant. I've got I've got three boys now. Uh, the youngest being uh, being eight weeks old. So. Uh, obviously spending time with the wife uh, Rachel as well who, who I mentioned before has, has been incredible uh, I, love, I love to play golf uh, when I can uh, Bruce, I kind of use golf I quite like playing on my own uh, sometimes just uh, I, I find it quite quite sort of liberating it's uh, it's kind of my thinking time sometimes you just get the headphones in and, and away I go or sometimes you know no headphones and just try and clear the head and you know think about a bit, of, a bit of reset time. Where am I going? What am I doing? Uh, you know, trying to improve myself. So, over that length of time, club, uh, sort of pro game, international, Lions, you've obviously made some pretty good friendships along the way. Who who do you hold dear? Who's sort of the last WhatsApp message you sent? Who's the last phone call you had? Um... Uh, I'll stay in touch with a few boys uh, from over the years, uh, which is awesome. Um, I'm pretty lucky, I guess, in, in many ways to, to still you know speak to people within the game. Ross Ford would be somebody I'll stay in touch with. She's back in the borders. I spoke to both Hoggy and Finn uh, over, over the last couple of weeks. Uh, I'd get the old message of Johnny Gray randomly. Uh, not so much keep up with Johnny, but he's, he, he's, he's somebody you could, you know, you could see, and it'd be like you see them yesterday. Um, and a few guys from further afield, uh, Fritz Lee, uh, down in France and Clermont, I'd, I'd speak to Fritzy a fair bit, and uh, and probably a few others that I've, I've probably forgotten about. But uh, you know, certainly some of the guys you've played against or played with, it's it's almost uh, it's, it's always brilliant to, to hear from them. And I'm, I'll try and stay up uh, with with some people, and I'll try and be a bit more proactive rather than just letting things slip by. If you look into your crystal ball, where's where's Greg in ten years' time? Where am I in ten years' time? Oh, oh, what age am I now? Um, where am I in ten years' time? Well, I'll, I'll be involved in the game somewhere. I'll probably, I'd love to be head coach somewhere. Um, yeah, head coach of a team slash a country if I could. Uh, obviously, there's a, a, a whole lot of water to go under the bridge before then, but yeah, I'd be ambitious to to, to be successful uh, in a role like that if I could be. And um, yeah, so we will see. I've got absolutely no doubt. Do you ever do you have much chat with your cousin with Clark doing doing in New Zealand? I do. I, I stay I stay up with Clark a fair bit, yeah, mainly on message and um, sometimes the, the, a FaceTime. Um, as well, so Clark's done incredible, uh, incredible things in terms of, you know, there's not too many coaches or, or people uh, that go, you know, from a, even from Scotland, from 
into a you know a rugby hotbed like New Zealand and and climb the ladder like he's done. Uh, so he's obviously doing it uh, really well. Uh, I know he's really well uh, thought of down there. So yeah, and I think he, he's obviously seen a lot of things and worked with a lot of different coaches. So he's a he's a he's a great sounding board, uh, you know, for, for me as well. Uh, your other cousin Chris is developing into a cracking coach as well. I wonder if we could get all the Laidlaws in one organisation. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. It might be might be too many Laidlaws in the one place. <laughs> might all upset each other. But uh, nah, Chris is yeah, Chris is doing well as well. I spoke to a few people back in Scotland that, that tell me he's doing pretty well. So uh, it's awesome to see. We, we've been a, a family uh, that, that rugby's been a, a huge part of. Uh, you know, whether that was. You know, growing up, Chris and I are a bit, a bit more closer age than uh, than Clark and Scott. Scott being uh, the the middle brother. Uh, uh, Scott's my boy. Yeah, but, <laughs> he was yeah, the he first was back I ever knew that wore a scrum cap. <laughs> yeah, he was. He was a hardy bugger, though, Scott. And well, he was. Uh... I can't. I don't know. I don't even know if I remember him playing in the, the back. He was in the back row by the time uh, I played with him. But he, yeah, he, he was a. He's a, a great player as well, and, and somebody that I love playing with for Jed. Uh, some boy, uh, you're some crew, Greg. I've absolutely loved it. It's uh, it's number one hundred, and I feel massively honoured. So thank you so much. And uh, I did tip you off on this, and I've got no idea where you're going. So at the end, I ask Greg for you. Happiness is winning for Scotland, <laughs> and you managed to do that a few times. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. That, that was what it was all about. They were the best times. Winning for Scotland is it's hard to replicate. What's the changing room like after you've won for Scotland? Oh, it's, well, it's obviously it's ecstatic. It's relieved. Uh, relief. I think that's a big one for me. Is, is the the relief? You know, just after after the game and all the pressure of the week, you, you win and, and that feeling of uh, you know we've managed to get over the line, get, get the win and. Uh, just get back in there. Boys are obviously on a, a bit of an emotional high. The, the staff are happy, uh, so it's a great place to be. You can have a beer with the, the boys. Of you know, put some blood, sweat, and tears in there alongside the staff. So yeah, it's it's great times when you when you when you're able to win. Did you like visiting the other changing rooms after games? Yeah, I didn't mind it. I didn't mind it. it was oh, it was always hard because you know if if you'd beat somebody, you know you you knew what it was like to be on the other end of it, but. Yeah, that's a great thing about the game. I think you meet so many good people. You, yeah, as soon as that final whistle blows or whatever, you can get back inside and put your differences aside, and you know, and go and see, you know, shake each other's hand, and uh, you know, and get on with it. And whether it's swapping jerseys or having a beer, it's yeah, one of the great uh, one of the great traditions of the game. I think. Amen, Greg Laidlaw. Thank you so much. Pleasure. Great to see you. Catch you soon. Cheers. What an absolute legend. If you enjoyed that, you can catch us on Apple, Acast and Spotify. You can watch on Facebook and YouTube. Uh, Greg Laidlaw definitely knows what an absolute star. And he he wouldn't like it and he'll curse me for it, but he is properly a legend uh, and we absolutely love him. There are very few with a negative word to say about the man and that's because of the way he's handled himself over the years. Absolutely brilliant. And he's away to get a decent kip now away for the three burns uh, while he's on his... He's uh, camp preparing, he reckons. I think he's just there for a sleep. If you enjoyed it, tell your friends, leave us a review, and hopefully I'll catch you soon. In the meantime, my name is Bruce Aitchison from the Happinesses podcast, and my happiness is egg-shaped.
I'm Mayhem. Hello, I'm Chaos. And, and our happiness is egg-shaped. Happiness is egg-shaped and love's a circle with no end. Love's a circle with no end. Let's say any set of happiness is egg-shaped. Wait, um, happiness is an egg-shaped. Happiness is egg-shaped and love's a circle with no end. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-